Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? Guys, I'm so, so excited. It is the start of season three. On the Brain Love Podcast, we are starting season three. I'm going into my third year. I have some great things coming up for you. Um, I want you guys to please go on Amazon and do a search. Actually, go on Amazon Smile. Look for DRT Brain Love Foundation. Select DRT Brain Love Foundation to... um, donate to because every time you purchase through Amazon Smile, a percentage of what you spend will go to DRT Brain Love Foundation. That's number one. Number two, when you're in the Amazon Smile, um, I want you to search for Dr. Delvina, D-R space D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A. And when you do the search, you'll see two of my pamphlets come up. These pamphlets were created I've been working on these things for so long. It's very hard to write and be an author and still do your job. Um, And so they were edited many times. But if you find something that's wrong in there, whether grammatically, um, in terms of how it's written or what is said, the content, please bring it to my attention. I will gladly receive it with all smiles. Anyhow, I wrote two pamphlets. Uh, My office manager helped me put together the information. I... Um, she gave me the information. I put the information together, created the pamphlets and composed it. And I asked Alfreda Musa, who is an artist here in South Florida, who used to be our art therapist to sketch some, to hand sketch some pictures to help with the illustrations and the pamphlets. Cause you know, it's kind of boring to just read all words when you're reading. And we created brain food and brain sleep. So when you put in Dr. Delvina, D-R space D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A, do a search and scroll down. You'll see both pamphlets come up. They're $19.99, and they are definitely worth the investment. I'm not just saying this. They are written in layman's terms, in easy English for everyone to understand, and there's a lot of nuggets in there. So you won't just read these pamphlets one time. You'll read certain sections over and over as reminders about the healthy ways to eat or the things to do that so that you sleep better, so that you improve your sleep hygiene. Um, do me a favor and do a review on Amazon once you read these pamphlets. Um, Keep them with you, share them with your children, share them with your family members and encourage them to also buy their own copies. I appreciate I appreciate you guys. I love you so much. Okay, hey, 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 guys. Good evening. It's another Sunday night. And you know, that means it's time for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Delvina Thomas, a board-certified psychiatrist in South Florida. And tonight, my main topic is mental health as usual, but we're talking about mental health in India. And I have a very special guest. It's Dr. Dhruv Thakkar, and um, I... 
I apologize, Doc, if I said your name improperly. I'll get it. I need to pay a visit to India so I can get that proper. But seriously, India is on my near future travel list. I'm talking to Dr. Drew tonight about mental health and wellness, and we also go into some details about what he's seeing in India, and we make comparisons between India and America. Dr. Uh, Drew, you guys, you can find him on Instagram. He is a psychiatrist, a sexologist, and a de-addiction specialist. He has a website, too. It's Dr. Drew Thacker.com. I'll spell it. It's D-R-D as in Delta, H-R-U-V as in Victor, T-H-A-K-K-A-R.com. So he's located in India. And um, I'll give you some more details about him. But first, before we talk with Dr. Drew, I just wanted to say a few things. Um, Dr. Drew and I have been following one another on social media for a few years. I would say on Instagram, definitely over three years. I believe we started following one another before the pandemic. Um, it's important. Let's do a hand clap here, y'all. It's important to um, just support one another for colleagues to support each other and exchange ideas. So big ups to Dr. Drew doing this interview with me tonight. Did you know that Will Smith traveled to India after he smacked Chris Rock? So that slap has become the infamous Oscar slap. It was in late March. And soon after, Will Smith's next public sighting was in India. He was landing at the Mumbai airport and paying a visit to who knows who. Um, so people have said things like he went to see a spiritual leader to get his life together. If you follow Will Smith, you know that in 2019, he posted himself in India and stated he was on a spiritual journey. So we're not sure why he's in India, but he was at the airport in Mumbai and he was with a spiritual person and he was interacting and smiling. So he at least seemed somewhat okay, like he's coping with the whole incident. And when I say coping, I know you guys are like, well, he's the one who slapped Chris Rock. What I mean by coping is I'm sure he's disappointed in himself for losing control. When we allow ourselves to get angry, it means we didn't keep our emotions in check. And Will showed a side of him that we've never, ever seen before. And so for every behavior, there's emotions and thoughts behind the behavior. What was behind the behavior of slapping Chris Rock? And what was behind the words and the statements and the aggression and the anger when he sat down in his seat? So listen as Dr. Drew and I discuss mental health and wellness. Maybe he'll give us some insight into why Will Smith is in India, what Will Smith may encounter or what he might learn in India. It's a possibility. So there was a rumor that Will met up with a um, spiritual, a famous spiritual leader there, a guru by the name of Sadguru. I know I chopped his name. I'll learn how to say these names, I promise. But uh, this person's uh, media team has advised that, no, they didn't meet up. And so um, most people who talk about this situation, uh, they are definitely anti-violence and against what Will did uh, that day at the Oscars. So anyhow, moving on. 
So guys, um, just a couple of updates before we go into uh, mental health and wellness in India with Dr. Dhruv. I'm so glad that he was able to come on tonight with me. Um, so today is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas, all the mamas, mamas, and all the women who are mamas to kids you may not have given birth to, but you're a mama in your in your own right. So happy Mother's Day to all the mommies out there. And um, I didn't do a special specifically only about Mother's Day, but before we go into uh, the interview with tonight's guest. I just want to say a couple of things about our relationships with our mothers. So I was reading an opinion on CNN, and the title of the opinion is, I'll never be best friends with my mother, and that's finally okay. It's an, uh, an opinion written by Kirsten Powers. And so she states, Mother's Day is typically a time of celebration, but for some women it can be an extraordinarily painful day. In the old days, if you were estranged from your mother or had a difficult and disappointing relationship, the holiday might be cause for a little sadness. In the era of social media, that sadness can easily morph into despair and tears as you jealously watch women across Instagram and Facebook posting pictures to their best friends and perfect mothers. She has best friends and perfect in quotes. While it must be painful for men as well, there is something unique about the power of mother-daughter relationships. They are famously complicated and intense. Our mothers are our role models for how to be a woman. They are also supposed to be the people who enthusiastically love and adore us no matter what. It's why there's a saying, quote, a face only a mother could love, close quote. When women feel rejected and unloved by their mothers, it is a deep, gnawing, existential pain, sometimes dubbed the, quote, mother wound, close quote. And I found out the hard way that there are very few people you can talk to about it unless you want to be on the receiving end of a barrage of hallmark cliches about motherhood that bears no connection to your reality. Until a few years ago, my mother and I had always had a difficult and at times extremely painful relationship. Indeed, she claims I started yelling at her almost as soon as I had exited the birth canal. This is obviously hyperbole, but probably only slightly. We could, have, could, ha, could not have been more temperamentally different and fought constantly. I'm reading now from her opinion. Does this strike a chord for any of you? fighting constantly with your mother. She goes on to say that the relationship was so tumultuous that most people, including herself, the writer, assumed that after she went to college it would end, as in their relationship would end. It nearly did end, but in her mid-20s, they went to family counseling and they forged a fragile peace that was threatened many times over the years, though miraculously held. So she goes on to state that she wanted more than peace. She wanted the best friend mother. Best friend is in quotes. I wanted my mother to be someone other than who she was. I had a deep well of resentment and pain that no amount of therapy could alleviate. Then something happened. She had an aha moment in 2020. She had been marinating in an idea of grace and unmerited favor. And as a way to create space for other people to not be you, rather than demonizing or dehumanizing them. 
So she says that she delved into a topic to help herself cope with toxic political era, with the toxic political era. And she suddenly saw her relationship with her mother through a different frame. She goes on to mention all of the positive things that she saw and recalled about her mother, the positive things such as her mom still pursuing her PhD in anthropology while pregnant with her, the writer. Her mother was unmarried when she conceived the writer of this opinion. So it was an unplanned pregnancy. And because the mother was Catholic, her parents were Catholic, she had to have the baby and she got married. And before she knew it, she was married with two children and living someone else's life. That's what the young lady writes in this opinion. She also states that she realizes that her mother had to deal with Olympian levels of stress as she worked as a trailblazer, archaeologist, and professor, leading the way for future women, and that her mother also was battling discrimination and sexual harassment against her and her female students, and that it was a male-dominated environment. And she mentions how her mother was underpaid and overworked, like a lot of women. So she goes on to say that she could see it clearly now. My mother was doing the best she could with what she had. So this writer, in the opinion, speaks about her breakthrough. And she realized that so many great things had come from her mother and that her mother came from a place of challenges and um, a life that we no longer live, a previous life her mother was living and. Um, being born to Catholic parents and living in an era where women were considered second-rate citizens. And so she goes on to recall all of the positive things about her mother. She says that she realized there were so many great things that she got from her. She inherited her mother's adventurism, her independent spirit, how her mother would take the family from Wisconsin to Alaska And both of her parents would get their PhDs in Alaska. She was raised in Alaska. She learned from her mother feminism, gay rights, and fighting racism. During a time when hardly anyone this writer knew was talking about these things. Her mother also modeled for her the importance of standing up for other people who are being harmed. And talked to her about that, but also showed her through actions. So she realized that... She may not have had the perfect mother or the, quote, best friend, close quote, but there were a lot of redeeming qualities about her mother that she was able to appreciate. And I share this story and I tell this story because we have to find those redeeming qualities in our own parents and our mothers and our fathers. Um, Because oftentimes, especially if you're in my generation, I was born um, in the 70s. I would say the late 70s. It was after 75 Uh, My parents were born in the 50s in Mississippi. So depending on where your parent was born and the decade or the year that they were born, it really does explain a lot um, about their behaviors. And when you factor in things like education level and their own child rearing, you realize that perhaps your parents didn't have the best way or the best rules or did not know the best way to rear their children. They were sort of learning as they went along. So we have to show people grace and show them understanding and forgiveness because vengeance is not ours. If you listen to my podcast at the end, I define brain love and what it means. And the V is for it's vindication. Vindication is not yours. It's the Lord's.
So if you're mad with your mother, if you're angry with your mother, don't be angry. I'm not sure what you're angry with her about, but reconsider and, and see if you can find it in your heart to at least mull over your mother's history because there's probably a lot of things she's not sharing with you, including certain traumas that she may have experienced, especially if you got a black mama. I'm just saying. So acceptance and appreciation for what we have and having grace for what we did not and gratitude for the years that we have left to try. So that is coming. I just read that from her opinion. She says, rather than being wrapped up and tied with a perfect bow, the story ends with something different. Acceptance and appreciation for what, pardon me, for what we did have, grace for what we did not, and gratitude for the years we have left to try and live a different and imperfect story. So the bottom line is, if you have a mama or a daddy who you are um, disenchanted by, Reconsider because you may be able to forgive them. You may be able to um, learn about their history and understand why their behaviors were or are what they are. Um, Some folks will never change. And so we just have to learn and understand how to interact and deal with that person. Now, you know, I'm not saying accept disrespect if you're difficult mother or father is a person who's very disrespectful. You have to set limits on that. But if there are other things that you guys are always bumping heads about or um, you have differing opinions about the way you're living your life or your parent lived their life, some things you just have to let go. So reconsider if you're angry. Send that happy Mother's Day text or make that phone call um, and move on. Don't stay stuck in anguish and anger. Now, moving to tonight's story. I'm so excited. Are you? Coming up, Dr. Drew. Now, before I I go on, I just also want to say um, condolences to the family of Kevin Samuels. Um, It was something that initially was thought to be rumor, but it has been confirmed now. And reputable sources have been reporting, including people, that YouTube personality Kevin Samuels who, as we know, is known for controversial views on women. He died in Atlanta. So Kevin Samuels was 56 years of age. I saw 57 somewhere. I saw 53. But Rolling Stone has reported that Samuels' age was 56 when he passed away. The police confirmed his year of birth was 1965. He died from a cardiac uh, arrest from an MI, myocardial infarction. Sorry, myocardial infarction, a.k.a. heart attack. And apparently he met some woman the day before. She spent the night with him. Um, She said that Samuels complained of chest pain and fell on top of her. And she called 911 and asked the building for a defibrillator. So they performed CPR on him in his apartment on the floor. He was unresponsive and later pronounced dead at the hospital. So it's so very tragic, and it makes you wonder, and it makes you think about certain things. Um, Number one, a lot of women hated Kevin Samuels. I mean, I would say probably at least a million women in America 
right? And we're not even considering women in other parts of the world, but they hated him. And so the one thing that I would suggest to you guys is this, if someone conjures such hate and such anger in you, inside of you, do you ever stop to ask yourself, why am I so angry at this stranger, this person I don't know? Do you ever stop to ask yourself, what is it that he is saying or doing that makes you angry? Keep in mind that the women who called in for his show, no one put a gun to their head. No one forced them to call in. They called in. And if you regard your, you regard yourself as a nine or a 10 and he disagreed with you, how does that make him evil? Everyone is entitled to an opinion. You know what they say about opinions. They're like assholes. Everyone has one. So I just want to say no one deserves to die, um, and especially the way that he did. My son told me that he read somewhere that he had a history of heart, heart problems. Um, so I'm, I'm not really sure, but I will be on Instagram Live with um, another Instagram uh, personality, Titus is his name. You guys have probably seen him on Instagram. He's a, a, a coach, a wellness coach. He teaches diet. Um, he's a fitness guru. He's a health and fitness and wellness coach on that who can be found on Instagram. So if you come on live with us on Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time, we will be talking about Kevin Samuels. And I'll also... Um, be dedicating a podcast to this Kevin Samuels and some of the situations um, surrounding the controversy and how he regarded black women. He once said, quote, submission is a trait of femininity, close quote, quote, just like leadership and protection is a trait of masculinity. But today you got women saying you don't get their feminine submission without paying for it. Fine, ladies, how much do you charge? Close quote. And he stated, quote, modern women charge for submission, close quote. So he's also said things like, quote, if you have made it to 35 and you are unmarried, you are a leftover woman, close quote. He also said, quote, you are what is left. Men know that there is something likely wrong with you. Mm-mm-mm. Close quote. So... I just don't see how that can strike a chord. If it don't apply, let it fly. But anyhow, coming soon, um, Instagram Live with Titus on um, on Instagram Tuesday night at 9 p.m. to discuss Kevin Samuel's heart disease, men and women relationships, and coming up on my podcast, Kevin Samuel's um a discussion about Kevin Samuels as well with some other men who have opinions very similar to Kevin Samuels, but deliver differently all right guys it's the moment that we've all been eagerly anticipating and waiting for hey help me welcome dr drew thacker to my couch are you ready to take the couch yes after becoming a psychiatrist from mumbai india with a gold medal and major general jennings prize Dr. Drew Thacker has been trained in psychotherapies and healing therapies and developed holistic treatment methods. He also specializes in sexual medicine and de-addiction. Apart from psychiatry consultations and psychotherapy sessions, he conducts workshops, webinars, and corporate training. He has been active and enthusiastic in the field of mental health awareness, running a nonprofit support group and awareness programs. 
get in touch with him to empower your mind. He's here tonight with me. He's here tonight. And after you hear this interview, you may want to reach out to Dr. Thacker. You can go on his website, which again, I'll give to you before we get into the interview. It's D-R-D as in Delta, H-R-U-V as in Victor, T-H-A-K-K-A-R dot com. All right, guys, let's take the couch. All right, guys, I'm here on the couch and I have a very, very special guest. He's so special. He's nine. It's nine hours ahead of me where he lives. He lives in India. Welcome to the show, doctor. Thank you so much, Dr. Delvina. I am uh, thrilled to be here. I was looking forward to this since a long time and I have been an admirer of your work and how you are full of life and how well you connect to people. So I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I feel so honored. You are very welcome. You are so, so, so welcome. And I really appreciate you as well. Um, Please tell people, what is your full name? Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Dhruv Thakkar. I am from India uh, in the state of Gujarat. And I do telepsychiatry practices and I do mental health awareness campaigns as well. Mm, Yes. And guys, please look up Dr. Drew. He is on social media. He's on Instagram. We both follow each other there. He also has a Facebook page. uh, Dr. Drew, can you tell folks what your handles are, how they can find you on social media? So that way, while they're listening to this episode, they can pull up your information um, and and start to kind of review your sites and take a look at what you do, because you do a lot of campaigning. You do a lot of mental health education. Tell them how to find you. Sure. My handle everywhere is talk to Dr. Drew, which is T-A-L-K-T-O-D-R-D-H-R-U-V on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and elsewhere. My website is drdrewthucker.com. You can feel free to check that out as well. And as you pointed out about mental health awareness campaigns, May is the mental health awareness month, uh, which is starting today. So we are looking forward to add more and more um, awareness posts. And we are going to have a lot of live uh, discussions with other mental health professionals and professionals from different uh, fields as well. So do check it out. Okay. So doc, you're a psychiatrist there in India. Correct. And how long have you been practicing psychiatry? I have been practicing since 2017. So it's the sixth year that is going on for my private practice. Before that, I was in training. Okay. And what's the the training like for physicians in India who want to become psychiatrists or who want to specialize in psychiatry? Um, So what do you have to, what are your requirements there? Right. So um, as in United States, from what I understand, you have to do uh, one graduation first and then you can get into medical school. It is not uh, like that here. Um, from after junior college, we directly get uh, into MBBS according to the um, entrance exam merit marks. And that is our basic graduation. So we do a basic medical degree of MBBS. And then there are entrance exams for various specializations. Uh, and according to the marks and everything, uh, we get matched. 
for different subjects uh, um, in that we can choose psychiatry which i chose and then there are uh, three different kinds of degrees that we can uh, get uh, to become a psychiatrist uh, there is an md there is a dpm and there is a dnb so any of uh, these degrees can uh, uh, be taken up to get to become a psychiatrist and then uh, some universities um, necessitate one or two years of uh, rural practice or um, extra training practices before they get the license once all this okay. is done we are licensed to practice oh okay and so folks just so you're aware just to give a review here in the states because um, oftentimes people here in America get the um, mental health specialties confused. Um, they confuse a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists. Um, those are the two occupations that um, attend college, undergraduate school is what we call it. They get their four-year um, college degree, which you really are not required for medical school here to have a four-year degree but you need at least three years because it requires a lot of science prerequisites to get into medical school. So most folks would go ahead and get and actually earn their four-year bachelor's degree as opposed to just doing the three years of their sciences. Um, so you have to get a, a bachelor's degree for both um, to become a psychologist or a psychiatrist. But the difference is that psychologists go to graduate school and they get PhDs or they can get a PsyD. And um, for a psychiatrist, you have to go to medical school. So medical schools here in the States can be allopathic or osteopathic. So you get an MD or a DO. And then uh, both of those schools are four years in length. And from there, you apply for a residency program. Um, when you're in medical school, you have to take your, your exams to get licensed as a physician, of course, and you, <clears throat> pardon me, you have to apply for residency like Dr. Drew was just stating. <clears throat> so um, depending on what specialty, so if you want to become a psychiatrist, you have to apply to psychiatry and neurology residencies, which are four years in length. So it's really like a 12-year commitment if you go from the time that you start undergraduate school all the way to the end of your residency. Psychologists will just do um, that four years postgraduate training after college, and they can do an internship or, um, you know, like a little one-year residency and something, but um, their training is a lot less extensive. Is it similar in India? the same Dr. Drew with psychologists and psychiatrists, the way I just described? It is similar in a way. Uh, medical training is uh, long and intense and sometimes um, expensive as well. Um, and it is uh, way more difficult to get into medical school um, as compared to the bachelor uh, graduate programs of psychology. Yes, in that way, it's right. But the education system is very different. So people um, who are in US and do not know about Indian education system, it would be difficult to uh, orient them uh, for the method of education here. So I'm not going into that. But yes, in a way, it is similar to that. Gotcha. Okay. So it's, um, it's actually Monday where you are because Dr. Dr. Drew, this gets played on Sunday night. So it's Sunday night here. You're nine hours ahead of me. So it's Monday in India. 
So what part of India are you in? It is a state of Gujarat. Um, so the city is called Ahmedabad, but my practice is not limited to where I live because I uh, offer teleconsultation services. So my clients are from all over India. Wow. So if someone is listening and they want to explore um, services with you, would you consider providing services to someone who's outside of India? I think there is a legal boundary um, because all laws are territorial. So if somebody uh, is living outside India and consulting me, then there will be a legal dilemma. So government here... um, prefers not to consult anybody who is at the time of consultation outside the territory of India. Um, We can give uh, general advices and counseling that is not under the legal barrier, but anything, uh, if somebody wants to consult me from outside the India. Oh, okay. So, wow. So guys, he's in India. You have to live in India if you would like to receive professional medical um, advisement or a treatment plan from Dr. Drew as a psychiatrist. You'd have to live in India. Um, Even but, if you do not want our services, we are uh, we would love to host you here. So feel free to come here even as a tourist. And uh, our community is very welcoming. We would love to see you coming here come someday and enjoy our hospitality. Now, Dr. Drew, I have to tell you, I'm very close to visiting India. It is definitely on my list. Oh, we would love to host you, Dr. Delvina. Yeah, I, I, um, the first time I read about India and travel was a book called Eat, Pray. I believe it's called Eat, Pray, Love. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you know that book? Yes, I haven't read it, but I know it's very popular. Yeah, I know. And I sound like an idiot referencing this book. But um, I (laughs) want to say (laughs) here in America, and especially for women, that book was a a game changer because Mm. um, the plot, the premise of the, the book is a woman who realizes living here in America, things have become out of control for her. Um, living what we call the rat race, being overwhelmed with different tasks and things to do and feeling like her life was going nowhere, including her, not just her occupational life, but her professional life as well in terms of, I'm sorry, not just her um, occupational or professional, but her personal as well, feeling like she wasn't um, finding the right mates and, um, you know, wasn't having moments of, um, meeting people she really liked and falling in love. So she decided to go on a sabbatical, if you will, and she visited different countries. And so this book memoirs her experiences in these countries, including Thailand was one. And I do believe, um, gosh, she went to three different ones, but um, India is where India seemed to have the most impact on her because it was in India that she learned alternative interventions such as meditation. Um, Now, I'll just say this is 2022, obviously. This book, I believe it was published, my goodness, uh, in the early 2000s. I have to look it up and see. I actually referenced this book with another guest as well. 
but I'm forgetting now the publication date, guys, I can pull it up for you. But um, India seemed to have the most impact as well as Thailand. And so other countries, um, they have different ways in dealing with stress and dealing with balance and dealing with mental health and wellness and just dealing with day-to-day living including your diet is so different. Other countries typically have a healthier diet than America. I believe we're seen as the fat country, no disrespect to anyone, but our diets are really full of a lot of fat and carbohydrates. And it's just become recent that we've really learned more about the effects of eating a lot of meat and how it can increase our rates of cancer because the hormones from the the animals we eat There are more people talking about um, being vegan and living a vegan lifestyle, um, including not wearing clothing made from animals or these sorts of things. So what I'm getting at, Dr. Drew, is that India is one of the countries where there's a lot of alternative, well, things that we, that Americans consider alternative, but for you, you all, it's just everyday living. Can you speak to some of the, what I'm defining as alternative? Do you teach or talk to your patients there about alternative interventions, things other than medications and psychotherapy to help them? Yes, that is absolutely right. Uh, We as Indians have very rich culture um, and heritage of spiritual practices. So um, here there are many sects and organizations uh, that have uh, revived the ancient spiritual knowledge and they are offering it in different ways that can be practiced in today's generation. So a lot of meditative practices are very common here. Even breathing techniques are very common here. The one I practice is called Sudarshan Kriya, which is taught by Art of Living organization. It is a worldwide organization. It is there very much prevalent in US as well. And there are many others which offer such practices, which are now um, modified in a way we can practice it in the modern world. Apart from that, Ayurveda, which is a herbal ancient science, is also very prevalent here. Uh, We are very much into home remedies and there are many uh, doctors of Ayurveda um, who are the herbal doctors that um, give these ancient medication, which are very uh, powerful, useful and with minimal side effects. And um, in the scriptures of this alternate medicine, uh, which we call Ayurveda, uh, the diet recommendations and the lifestyle recommendations are very spot on. And if we follow that, we see overall well-being, which goes with physical health and mental health both. As we uh, have been discovering more and more, the physical health has a lot of impact on mental health and vice versa. So uh, we here focus more on holistic health, um, improving as a person as a whole and not just looking at one system of the body. So that is the fundamental understanding here. Uh, But yes, we are catching up with the modern science as well. And we have a great respect and following uh, for the uh, medical science. Um, Still, most of the medical practitioners here are uh, modern medical science practitioners only. But we try to integrate everything and that is a, a kind of a project we are uh, planning to come with uh, to, pro- to uh, gather all the uh, mainstream and alternate practitioners of mental health on one platform. And um, uh, we will make an assessment uh, pattern or assessment form or uh, test 
थ्रू विच वी कैन आइडेंटिफाई वॉट काइंड ऑफ मेन स्ट्रीम और ऑल्टरनेट मेंटल हेल्थ इंटरवेंशन आर मोस्ट सुटेड फॉर द पर्सन हू कम्स टू अस एंड वेन वी कैन ऑफर दैट काइंड ऑफ प्रैक्टिस इवन साउंड हीलिंग मेडिटेशन हीलिंग योगा थेरेपीज डांस मूवमेंट थेरेपीज एंड अदर मूवमेंट थेरेपीज ऑल दिस इज वेरी पॉपुलर हियर um even the um, other uh, asian practices like acupressure acupuncture and everything reiki um energy healing all that is very uh, popular here and being practiced okay awesome now i realize i went in a different order typically we start out by asking what types of illnesses and symptoms are you seeing and then we get to the treatment options but i wanted to start first with the alternative health um and and just so you guys know that book was published in 2010 it came out in 2010 i don't know why i thought it was early 2000 but so i guess it is sort of early 2000 if you compare 2010 to being 2900 <laughs> so we are still early in in the 21st century um so thank you so much dr drew for that explanation the, the one thing i'd like for you to um reiterate as you mentioned i want to say it was two two different types of interventions and because their um the names i guess um are how do you say um your language in india is i'm blinking so we have too many languages in india the uh, yeah. one that is used is called hindi Hindi yes okay so the names that you reference were they in hindi um not really so there is a language called sanskrit which is the ancient language okay. and from which a lot of uh, languages uh, have come to practice so uh, these these are the combinations of different uh, languages which is in practice and it is i think it is uh, being um taken up by the other countries as well in their original form okay so like the yoga first... so yoga is an indian word it's an indian sanskrit word but then it is being adopted as it is right right yep this is true so i believe the first intervention you mentioned you said it was a type of breathing technique yes that is right say the name again please yes there are many of them um, so uh, starting with alternate breathing uh, alternate nostril breathing uh, which is also oh, alternate okay yes so it is also uh, an ancient indian practice one of the easier uh, uh, breathing techniques uh, which is being famous and then there are different types of rhythmic breathing techniques the one i mentioned is called sudarshana kriya or sky sudarshan kriya yoga it is famous as sky in the us um so that is also something that can be practiced through their organizations it has to be learned through their workshops and uh, we prefer to learn all these indian ancient breathing or meditative practices through a teacher or through a guide who is uh, trained to guide other people and teach these things okay so alternate breathing is what you said yes and rhythmic, rhythmic breathing techniques which are uh, taught by spiritual gurus very effective i would recommend uh, you and the other listeners to try any of them Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so open to um especially when I visit in India as well. I want to try some of the spiritual types of um techniques that you all use as well with the spiritual healers that you just referenced. 
Um, so I suppose I have to spend at least two weeks in India. Lovely. <laughs> we we will be able to explore a lot. Uh, I mean, you will be ex- uh, able to explore a lot, and I will uh, want to contribute as much as I can to enrich your visit to India. Very awesome. Yes, and this and guys who are listening. You don't just book a trip to India and then contact Dr. Drew and say, hey, I'm here. Come take me around. We're talking about, I'm talking about receiving professional services. So um, I, I guess sort of as, not necessarily as a patient, but similar. You know, I'm not going to just call him casually and, and try to enlist his services um, free of charge. So we don't want to do that. Dr. Drew, what are you seeing a lot of in India in terms of mental health diseases or mental illnesses? Yes, so um, mental health um, is still very stigmatized in India. There's a lot of taboo around it. Um, so we, so generally, I don't want to generalize, but there is a tendency to delay going um, to take help. So unless there is something which is very evident or it is very uncomfortable, they would not go to a psychiatrist. So there is a treat, there's a huge treatment gap here. Um, it, it must be more than 60, 70% treatment gap, um, which is huge. Uh, the number of psychiatrists here is also very less. It is like uh, 0.75 per 100,000 population, which is way less than what is there in US. So... Um, so what we see here is more of a psychotic and manic illnesses. Uh, they would not be able to wait uh, and they would rush to the psychiatrists immediately. The second, which is catching up is anxiety, especially panic attacks. So um, they feel panic attacks and then they would rush to cardiologists and cardiologists would refer uh, those patients to us. That is second uh, very common uh, way of uh, approaching the psychiatrist. And now with the revolution of social media, uh, I think more and more people are becoming aware of the symptoms and they they read these posts and symptoms and they can relate to this. And a lot of calls are like that, that, hey, doctor, uh, we read this post on social media and I think I have all those symptoms. Uh, Can you please uh, look it up and uh, assess and treat me? So that is also there. So all these, uh, the, the prevalence uh, rates and everything are very much similar to the other countries of the world. Uh, depression is very common. Anxiety disorders are very common. And um, as uh, there are less psychiatrists um, in India, we see a lot of patients in a day. So um, all the ranges, all the varieties of patients are, um, we have been receiving every day. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So the presentation might be different um, because because of the stigma, uh, psychosomatic problems are very common. Uh, So they would not directly say that I am sad and I'm not feeling happy. Um, Of course, it is changing, but this is the traditional thing that uh, most of the middle-aged people would come with physical symptoms that I have pain here, I have pain there, I do not have energy in my body, something like that. Uh, we work it up through tests and everything and everything seems to be normal. And then we dig deep and um, it becomes very evident that they have mental health struggles, especially depression. So that is how the presentation may differ. Otherwise, it is almost the same as there. Got it. Understood. I understand. Well, yeah, stigma is a, has been a huge deal in America as well. Um, 
psychotherapy and access to mental health services was seen as something when we talk about, you know, let's just to be simple, whites versus blacks, um, white people here in America had easier access because it was seen as more so um, something that people with money had access to. Um, and, and black folks saw it as something that we didn't need. And um, it was very highly stigmatized in my community and in the black community. Mm-hmm. Now we're kind of, um, we're trying to eradicate that stigma. So more people come forward and, and get access for the care that they need. And, and mental health has been trending, especially since COVID began. It was trending before COVID but especially now during COVID, it's been trending even more than ever. Um, and so, you know, similar in what you say that there are certain, certain diseases that you cannot avoid going to see a practitioner to treat. And your everyday primary care physician here in America will not try to treat schizophrenia and bipolar, which Dr. Drew mentioned, mania. Um, that's a part of the illness bipolar a primary care doctor will not venture to try to treat such an illness. They will try to treat depression or anxiety, something like that. But schizophrenia, bipolar, someone who's manic, um, a severe depression that's refractory or not responding to medications, they will refer. So it it sounds like you said, Dr. Drew, very similar in, in terms of that stigmatizing those stigmatizing limitations right that is true there is there is one good thing that happened recently in india is that a lot of movie stars and other celebrities um, have come on record saying that yes i went through depression or other mental health uh, difficulties and i took treatment and professional help and i came out of it so that, that has inspired a lot of youth uh, to come to us. And I think this, the scenario is changing now for good. Uh, I do not know how long it is going to take um, to be um, as good as we want it to be. But I'm glad that the, the positive change has started. Yeah, that's the same here as well, getting athletes and celebrities and stuff to come forward. I would venture to say that some of the problems that will send someone or that is a factor in a person's mood, specifically depression and sadness, some of the factors uh, that um, influence a person's mood here in America and so may drive them to, um, into an episode of major depression. In India, it's my... Um, fantasy, I guess I shall say, that a person would not present to a psychiatrist or mental health professional for a lot of the same reasons we see here because of the lifestyle in India. Um, And what do I mean by that? America, the same as how we're so free with our diets and out of control, in a way, our lives are sort of live the same way. There's not a lot of discipline in America. And I'm not saying that all of India is well-disciplined and everyone is reserved and put together. However, you guys live your lives. I would say on a whole, if you compare America to India, you're living life on a more spiritual 
um, influence more so with spirituality and, and religion as opposed to what we do in America. Um, and, you know, what comes to mind for me are arranged marriages, um, not endorsing premarital sex the way it's endorsed here. And a lot of our videos and commercials, you see people who are half-dressed or half-naked. Um, you see movies and shows about folks being out together at night, men and women mixing and hanging out and what seems to, and also endorsing is premarital sex. So oftentimes, um, a lot of what happens here is, in, in terms of mood and sadness, is driven by financial woes, as well as personal relationship woes, feeling like you can't find anyone. Now, I've spoken to someone who's from India, and she's told me that arranged marriages are not as prevalent as they once were, but they're still happening. Can you speak to some of what I, I mentioned, Dr. Drew? Sure, I would. Um, yes, uh, arranged marriages are very common here. Um, there are some uh, downsides and there are some positive points about that as well. Um, uh, the main factor which is different here is the prevalence of joint families. Um, as in arranged marriage, we know that family is involved into deciding what family is good for us and what um, person is good for uh, our kid. Um, after marriage, they, st they, they would still live with their parents. Um, in US, from what I understand, a lot of youth moves out of the house when they are 18 or so. But here, that is not the case. Unless they want to go out to study, they would live with their parents. And there are a lot of joint families. And uh, we have many social gatherings. And we are very tightly bound to our cousins and distant relatives as well. So... Um, not many people live alone and have uh, less social uh, attachments. That is very uh, rare here. So that changes a lot of dynamics in how people uh, feel lonely. Um, of course, if they have uh, clinically, uh, if they are depressed, they would feel lonely um, because of the uh, psychological issues. But socially, feeling lonely is less common here. And uh, that changes the way of uh, stressors that we perceive. Um, the problems that um, comes along with arranged marriage is um, a lot of times they cannot say no to their parents' wishes and um, there is a lot of guilt and internal conflict as to they may want to get married to somebody else, but their parents want them to uh, get married to somebody else, some family friend or somebody they have seen uh, with a good uh, family background and all that. Uh, that is very uh, important to consider here. So uh, in that uh, friction, a lot of uh, problems happen and then it may lead to unhappy marriages. Uh, I'm not saying there are uh, that the happy marriages are more common in love marriage. Um, but uh, yes, arranged marriage has it, its own problem in compatibility. And um, in arranged marriages, we find out a lot of qualities and basic traits of the person after marriage. I mean, it's a blind game. It's like very much risky. Um, it may turn out well, it may not turn out well. So that is how it is. Um, there is a lot of stigma around divorce uh, as well. We do not get easily divorced. It's a very difficult procedure socially here. If somebody is divorced, they are uh, looked upon um, in a bad light, I would say. Um, and that prevents a lot of people to speak out um, and um, take actions to break their marriages. It is very difficult to do that socially. So wow. 
are the kind of problems we have um, we have been seeing day in and day out in our clinical practice right right thank you so much for sharing that because that is something that is prevalent prevalent in america one is divorce thing, one more interesting thing i would like to point out is um sure. so from what i know uh, in uh, in uh, western clinics we see a lot of people who come to a psychiatric clinic they come alone but most of the patients who come to my clinic they come with their family members sometimes a whole bunch of 10 12 people come to us uh, taking one patient and they are all worried and they are like please mm. get him all right and they all will wow. jump symptoms and then we would have to request them to go outside the chamber into the waiting room and then we would have to come talk to the patient alone and then we would send out the patient to the waiting room and call the family members in and take the whole history from them and as a lot of people live with families we get a lot of objective um, observations and symptoms from the uh, family members as well this is a, a kind of a daily picture in our clinical practice so that also i think is a bit different than what it is there Oh my gosh, vastly different. Half the family don't have time or don't want to go to the appointment with the uh, the patient or you know, one of the parents is embarrassed about what of the patient is going through and doesn't want the rest of the family to know. My goodness, that is such a great positive show of force to have your family behind you and showing you support. That's But awesome. At the same time, um it is strange how they do not understand how uh, the medical model works or how it is not being faked by the patient or how it is not the problem of will power or um, um motivation of the patient so they do not understand the medical illnesses very well so they would come to us and say that hey this person is not willing to work or um, he is not talking to us they would not understand that uh, not talking to us is um pointing towards something internal that is going on and they would just feel as if it is a voluntary act sometimes and that is very heartbreaking but um the fact that they come to us and say that gives us an opportunity to psychoeducate them uh how to understand uh, the basis of mental illnesses and all that so uh, that is also one positive side but yes um the psychoeducation level is very very poor here uh, we have to keep uh, explaining things to a person again and again every visit and then they would understand what it is really gotcha okay so we kind of touched on um you you touched on divorce already which is very common in the, in the United States i think the last data showed was that depending on what source you use but between 40 to 50% of marriages end in divorce here in america what's the statistic there in india closer to 10% <laughs> less than 10% less than 10% i guess it is not very common yeah. wow so um do you have folks who are not embarrassed about saying hey i'm i'm unhappy in my marriage and it's making me sad so they seek services or do they keep that to themselves um oh yes they are coming up i mean it is becoming uh, more common now and i think if we will see the statistics after 5 years there will be huge difference um because now we see so we have been fans of uh, american and other western uh, movies and tv shows and all that and we have been seeing um how they approach their relationships and a lot of people here have been jealous of uh, americans how 
freely or how easily they can get out of bad marriages and toxic relationships and now uh, indians are catching up um, for the good i would say Uh, because now uh, they can um, talk about uh, their struggles of their relationships to their family members and now the family members have be- becoming more and more empathetic towards it because as it is getting more common they do not feel uh, isolated when they talk about uh, getting divorced so their fan their friends support them their family members uh, have been supportive lately so that is also one big positive changes we are seeing um so now very less people are ashamed in announcing that they are divorced um in the uh, gatherings or in front of their friends or on the social media as well mm. wow so we we look at india and we see what you guys are doing and the same is true india is watching america as well um and seeing how we live our life I, you know it, it it makes sense yes and we are trying to adopt um, a lot of healthy practices of the united states and we are thankful for that yeah do you think your your i saw i'm switching gears now to talk cuz we're running out of time um i wanted to talk briefly about about diet um the diet there in india is do you think it's a healthy um a healthy or obviously your diet is healthier than what we have in America but there are certain foods that you can eat that are considered brain protective or can help um enhance your omega-3 fatty acids which which then is helpful for reducing the risk um for certain ailments like dementia or cognitive disorders um and we say things like blueberries and sweet potatoes and kale and arugula and asparagus these types of things and broccoli we consider like brain healthy foods do you guys do that in india do you uh is, do you make a connection between your diet and your mental health connecting diet and mental health is not very common yet here unfortunately connecting diet and physical health as it is obvious is very common here um there is one problem here is that we do not have uh, a lot of research is going on due to lack of funds and all that and uh, pharma pharma company sponsored researches are more common and obviously that would not focus a lot on food um, a lot of knowledge of food that we have is derived from our, our ancient scriptures or it is just passed uh, through the generations and that is how we know Uh, we use a lot of spices and other elements in the food which are considered herbal and helpful for the body though there are uh, not too many researches around that uh, it is just something that we have faith on and we have believed as our grandparents and great grandparents told us and that is how they used to heal their ailments so we have uh, been mostly following traditional practices and these traditional practices differ from um, different regions to regions so as india is a big country as well um, different regions have different uh, vegetables and fruits growing and uh, what we believe is that uh, wherever we have been living the the fruits and vegetables that grow in that area in general are healthier for our genetics so from the area of origin of our lives uh, the area of origin uh, of fruits as well then that is a good match is what we feel uh, but uh, we do not we haven't reached the stage yet where we have uh, conclusive evidences about 
are um, food and mental health but it in general it is considered healthy to have um, you know, the diets that we follow uh, and have a good mental health okay um, so a lot of us are vegetarians and vegans as well for example i am a vegetarian i do not um, so we have dairy products that is not considered uh, problematic here but eggs or um, meat and chicken everything is uh, something that a lot of people do not eat here uh, because they are vegetarians okay and, and what's the drive behind becoming a vegetarian there in india or uh, becoming a vegan is it out of respect for the animal or is it more so because it's a healthier diet or both most of it is just traditional and cultural um the families that have been vegetarians uh, for uh, generations are vegetarians a lot of them are now turning non vegetarian because they are uh, seeing what other people are eating and they want to uh, experiment with different thing things and then there are a few people who are realizing the benefits of going vegan and uh, avoiding meat and they have been uh, reading the research papers and latest scientific knowledge and then turning vegan but uh, this is not a big population that are turning uh, vegan from uh, being a non vegetarian most of us are uh, doing it just because our families have uh, believed in that and um, that social understanding and programming has been passed through the generations and that is that is why we remain uh, vegetarians not turn into okay. vegetarian Awesome, very nice. Before we get out of here, I just want you to touch on um briefly if drugs and alcohol are an issue there in India. Do you have a, a, a in your hospitals do you treat a lot of alcohol withdrawal? Um do you have folks who come in because of being addicted to um cocaine or heroin or having issues with alcohol? I don't want to make assumptions based on the little bit of knowledge I have about India. Yes, uh, alcohol use disorders and um, alcohol derived um, physical problems are very common here. Um, what is more common is the use of tobacco. Uh, and I was uh, about to say that smoking yes. is power. That was yes. my next point. <laughs> yes, and um, in the uh, rural areas, chewable tobacco is way more common. Um, and unfiltered uh, cigarettes, so we call them BDs, they are also very mm-hmm. common. Um, uh, but the use of hard drugs like cocaine and heroin and other ones are not. as popular as it is in the western world but cannabis mm-hmm. is uh, gaining the ground very fast is it is mm, i think we are looking at a pandemic of cannabis use disorders um, of course uh, the views on cannabis uh, are very um, divided and it is still debatable and controversial but a lot of youth are now experimenting with different preparations of cannabis Uh, alcohol and cannabis and tobacco use are very common here but uh, the other chemicals are not very common here one of the reasons is also the um, cost uh, because india is not yet a developed country and a lot of people would not uh, afford taking cocaine and stuff so they mm-hmm. try to uh, take some adulterated cheap stuff and um, that has even more problems of it its own even uh, cheap alcohol is a big problem here uh, the country liquor uh, that can be even more unhealthy than uh, the usual um, alcohol that we get 
Gotcha. And um, I'm sorry, I just want to squeeze in one last question about post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. How, how prevalent or how often are you seeing that in your office? It is not very common here um, because um, I think it's a diagnostic dilemma as well. Um, because uh, when I talk to my uh, friends in the US, they say that the diagnosis of PTSD is very common here. Um, but uh, there is a controversy around that as well, uh, that uh, after every trauma, if they face anxiety, a lot of people are misdiagnosing it as PTSD, even if they do not okay. have symptoms of um, re-experiencing it or having flashbacks or having nightmares. Um, here we see those uh, symptoms very less common. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the things. Uh, PTSD seems to be pretty less common that, than what we see in the U.S., yeah, yeah, and, and, I, and I thought panic that. disorders and um, other form of anxiety disorders are more common. Yeah, 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 and and I think what your colleagues who are here in America have told you is is accurate. I think that PTSD has been overdiagnosed, um, and you know we changed the criteria recently for post traumatic stress disorder and how it's being diagnosed. Um, as is bipolar disorder as well, has been overdiagnosed in America. But I also, I wanted to ask you that question about PTSD because um, just like any other country, America has a history um, that includes a lot of traumatizing events for a certain population here. Two huge populations here, I would say, um, the Native Americans, the indigenous people, as well as the Black Americans who were basically brought here uh, via the slave trade, uh, the transatlantic trade, uh, slave trade. So um, I think a lot of the uh, PTSD that's found in um, Black America, oftentimes it's a generational type situation. Uh, And so because of the things that have sort of been Um, a result of slavery, including Jim Crow and discrimination and civil rights violations, those things have led to certain um, um, occurrences in our communities, such as what we call redlining, forcing Blacks to live in certain parts of the neighborhood, not giving Black people access to finances and money for businesses, um, the discriminatory practices and education as well. So it's created Um, neighborhoods where we also have things occurring that are traumatizing for Black people. So, um, and this is the same conversation I had with some non-medical professionals in Ghana, which is on uh, in West Africa, of course, they have less PTSD as well. So, um, you know, I think what we're seeing here in America, um, as far as post-slave trauma, folks who are listening to me, you've heard me talk about this previously, um, there's some legitimacy in what I've spoken about and what other psychiatrists have also discussed in regards to Black America and how far back our traumas really originate. Um, so, Doc, I know we have to get out of here. We haven't really, we, we sort of just scratched the surface. I'm so glad that you were able to talk to me. Um, maybe one day soon we can talk about personality disorders, you know, and <laughs> and what that is like in India. and. Um, and also, we didn't talk much either about learning disorders. Adult ADD is a huge thing here in America. 
some people believe it's because folks just want access to the amphetamines, to the Adderall, you know, to abuse it, which is probably true. Um, but there are a lot of things we didn't get to, to discuss yet. Um, I do plan to make a trip to India, maybe hopefully within a year, but maybe more like within 18 months. And I'll definitely reach out to you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for asking me uh, such important questions. There was so much to talk about um, that it was very difficult to uh, decide what to talk and what not. And um, I hope we will uh, have such more conversations in which we can um, uh, share some knowledge of different uh, countries and what is it like in India. And we will talk about the other disorders and their different presentations in India as well. Uh, it was lovely talking to you. I am honored uh, to share the uh, same platform with you and looking forward to such more inter interactions. Thank you. You're so welcome. And Dr. Drew, please, if you don't mind, give your contact information again, your website, your social media handles, how folks can find you. Sure. Uh, my handle on Instagram and Facebook is talk to Dr. Drew, which is T-A-L-K-T-O-D-R-D-H-R-U-V. My website is drdhruthakkar.com, D-R-D-H-R-U-V-T-H-A-K-K-A-R.com. Um, I would love to uh, interact with you on social media. So guys, yeah, follow him on social media. He puts up a lot of informational, educational type posts as well, like I do. Um, I saw something... I want to say a couple of weeks ago where you were talking about sleep hygiene. So, um, you know, he makes some quality posts um, and, you know, you can follow him even if you won't be pursuing, cause you can't, if you live here in America or anywhere outside of India, you can't, you can't um, receive professional services because of the legalities in India. However, Dr. Drew did mention um, what came to mind for me was coaching. He said that he can do some informal type, um, I suppose, exchange with a person. Uh, Dr. Drew, we have this, this uh, profession here in America called coaching. So it's not even really a licensed profession. Um, people will coach or help men. It's kind of strongly similar to mentoring. They will help someone with a specific type of problem and it's not considered clinical. So you don't need a license for it. Um, so you mentioned that you may not be able to provide medical service to, services to them, but you could talk to them um, in a different capacity. Yes, I would certainly love to do that. All right. Well, Dr. Drew, before we get out of here, say brain love. Brain love. <laughs> <laughs> It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. 
ownership. Own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love.